welcome to Fit Story TV, the only platform that is focused on storytelling for fitness experts. Our mission with this podcast is to empower you to harness your vulnerability and lead with your story. If this is your first time listening, then make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss out when we drop more fire. Yo, what is going on, Fit Story fam? Matthew Burbridge is back in the motherfucking house. And today, I hooked up with Joe Wise. He's the founder and owner of Bulletproof London. Um, dude, before we kind of dive into it, yes. before we get into your story and do, and do all of that, um, I think it's important to mention that uh, this, is, this is Bulletproof London's first rodeo. Yes, very first one. The first podcast. One of many, hopefully. Mm, brother. If anyone else that wants to interview me? Dude, <laughs> it's opened up the floodgates. Yeah, no, it's the first one. First one, yeah, man. I'm happy that you uh, that you that you've allowed me to come down to this beautiful unit as well. And you know, it's a shame that we're not recording it on a camera because if we were, I mean, people would get a taste of just how fucking awesome this place really is. And you know, you really have come a long way because I think the other thing that I wanted to mention is that we've been connected for since way back. Yeah, um, we're Very talking cool. what, like seven? At maybe? least, at least, I'd say about seven years. Seven, yeah. maybe yeah. eight years. Um, and I, that was like back in the day when I, when I started uh, Supreme Nutrition and Gym Wear. And, and I think that was one of the things was I was always personally really inspired um, by seeing your brand and, and your, your ability to graft, um, your ability to just show up and be consistent with doing yeah. the fucking work. Yeah. You know? A lot of fucking work. Yeah. A lot of fucking work. And, and that was actually something that we did touch on. Yeah, right? no, I was, yeah. Earlier on, we were saying that you know, and we won't go into it too deeply here, but just there's a lot of people that just, they don't fucking want to do the work. No. And that's what it's all about, the work. That's it. Yeah. Don't put the work in, that's it. Nothing's going to, nothing's going to sort of come from anything. And yeah, it's, um, no one wants to do anything these days. <laughs> mm. Lazy motherfuckers that then will turn around and say, these people come over here and take our jobs. <laughs> 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 yeah, because you, yeah, you ain't doing the job. But no, it is it's um people do want the results, they want the company, they want the car, they they want they want all the stuff, but they just don't want to do the no, fucking work. They want it to sort of turn around and sort of in a year or six months, oh it should be all there in mm. the sales and it's not gonna happen in no. six months or a year or two years or three years. No. Even fucking four. No. Because that it, uh, four years into bulletproof, that's when I first started seeing some return, mm. proper return. So I had to wait four years to um, see any money back. Mm. And that's where people give up. Most of the time, just yeah. before. Yeah, oh, just yeah, before definitely. they pop. Yeah. Just before, and that's because they can't see it. You know, they can't see what it looks like. And I guess that's one of the things that I really want to dive into as part of your story is to talk about, you know, throughout all of the shit um, that not just you've been through personally, but also the, the, your brand has been through, you know, and the, the competition out there and all that. And, you know, the fact that you are where you are now tells me that you, you've been able to see the vision yeah. very fucking clearly. Yeah, you've got to have a, I'd say an end goal, but you've got, yeah, you need to sort of see where your brand's going to be in, whether it be a year, two years, three years. But without that, you're just sort of working blind and, you know, you need to see like an end goal. Um, but yeah, it's it's you know it's been tough, very tough. That's it, bro. But you know you're no stranger to hard work. No, you're no stranger to do it doing the work. And um, you know, like this is what nine years now. Nine years, I think. 
in yeah so july next next year july will be 10 which we'll have a massive party Mm-hmm. Um, I hope I'm invited to that, bro. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna take a day off. There's actually been talk about hiring out nightclub, full on, an actual nightclub, hiring the whole thing out. I'll lay out, you know, I'll, put, I'll pay for everything, um, and just invite all of our good customers. Mm. Um, yeah, they're at rule of six. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we wanted a massive party because ten years is a huge milestone. Hundred percent. Even five years, people say, "Oh, you hit five years, you know, you've made it." I wouldn't say you've made it. But you can't, if you're out there for more than five years, you kind of like you're established and you can hold your own. But it's even harder when you make it to that point, staying consistent and in front of everyone else, that's even harder. Mm. That's the hard because you've got to bring out this release, that release. And each time you bring out a release, if that flops, which they don't, touch wood. But if they if, do, if they do, and it's a flop after flop after flop, it's like a, an artist, you know, bring out an album, good album. The next one flops, next one flops. Mm. It's really difficult to stay on top and be consistent and fresh ideas and bring out things that people actually want to wear. 100%. And that's the hard bit, staying where you are. Staying relevant. Maintaining it, yeah. Because really, yeah. Yeah. there's a lot of brands out there that appear every week. There's a new brand and a mm. new brand. It's like, that's shit, that's shit. Mm. Um, if, no you think, if you think about it, like Dr. Dre, for example, is touching on music. Dr. Dre is, is the measure of of, of how to stay relevant, yeah. you know, but look at what he does. He doesn't release an album until, unless he feels it's perfect. Yeah. Unless he feels that it's, it's what people really truly want to hear. And he's willing to, you know, I mean, what was it like detox was supposed to come out or something. And then it was years, years, yeah, <laughs> years down the line yeah, that he released a new one. He's not happy. Yeah. Well, a lot of Average. Mm. And why the fuck should you be? Yeah. Yeah. Don't put out shit. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's hard to stay, you know, consistent and always bring out nice stuff. But um, at the same time, you have to put stuff out. Mm. So it's not a gamble each time you do something. But it's you kind of like you know, if I put this out, put all my time and everything into that one thing, and you go live with it, and you're sitting there waiting for the money to come in, and you don't. Mm. And you're like, oh, well, that's one of the reasons why most people. You know, they never, they, like you say, they never see it through because they may get some adversity. And I think this is one of the things, you know, you've had this place for, not this place, but you've had the brand for, for over nine years. And you've taken it from working out of a small room yeah, to a container. And now you've got a unit and it's got a showroom. Um, you do all, all, the, all the printing in here, all the screen printing, yeah. right? But, and you're doing all the, you know, it's all hand done. Um, the designs as well that you do all yourself um, and some fucking sick designs. I mean, everybody, every time I buy a garment um, from your business, I'm, I'm like, yo, you need to peep this. Like, look at this hoodie. Look at this hoodie. Look at this one. Yeah, yeah. I've as... got the one with a drip this time. No, <laughs> I just see it as, I don't know, I still don't rate anything that I really do. Honestly, don't. Mm. There's only a few things I can say, yeah, that's really nice. But most of the stuff I put out, I don't rate it. Mm. But then I think if you think you're the shit and you're the bollocks, you won't go further. You can you get, yeah. You can get, you know what I mean? You, you think, can yeah, get con- con- uh, com- complacent. complacent. Yeah. 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 So I always think, well, I can do better on the next release. Mm. That's nice. It's okay, but the next one I'll better it. And, better mm. it. and I think that's the key to, um, you know, staying out there and staying relevant. 100%. Not being happy with everything. That the last thing you did, I'm not happy with that. So I'm mm. group and group. And then, yeah, that's, I think that's the um, 
well, bro, it's put it's put you on, it's put you in a good place, you know, and, and this is a full-time thing for you. And, you know, you're creating a good community behind the brand as well. Um, and, and, you know, like I said, you know, I, I don't buy every single week and not even every single month, but, you know, what you've got from, from me personally is a, is a lifetime customer. Like I'm always, I'm always going to shout out uh, Bulletproof London because, uh, you know, I, I feel a connection to what yeah. you've done. Yeah. Like and I feel the want, work. You want people to sort of feel like a part of Bulletproof, which a lot of our customers are really loyal. Um, Dude, we see it, you know, and on social media, you know, on stories. I mean, I'm checking your stories all the time and you see that there's, there's people tagging you in, in, their new, in their new garment. And that's, it's really fostering the idea of creating something that, that isn't just a product, but more than that, you know. Yeah. Um, and I feel like Bulletproof has, uh, has that audience and it has that connection and, and definitely is the, the community that you're building and what you're building. Yeah. This is, is, is fucking... But I think a lot of it is because they can relate to... Where I do the stories and I'm like actually grafting and working and I am not buying everything in from this place. It's all pre-done. I'm grafting, working up, and everyone out there knows what it's like to work a nine to five or or whatever hours they do. So they can sort of um, relate to how hard work can be and what's gone into making that. Not just, oh, he's got it printed over there mm. by that guy. Mm. And the guy's flew it over and he's just selling it. That to me is... Um, that's, that's shit. Mm. There's no fault or there's no, I mean, it's just, it's handmade products. Mm. Like I said before, it's handmade. Um, and I spent hours fucking getting dirty and, you know what I mean? So you can have a nice, fresh, crisp t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. But yeah, that's why I do my stories the way I do because I'm like, here I am again, working hard, three in the morning, sleeping in the office, blah, blah, blah. Um, and also it shows people it can be done. Mm. But, the way it can be done, like you have to do them fucking hours. Mm. The two, the three, the four in the morning, like 24 hours straight. Um, so I try and put that across in my story so people think I could do that. Yeah. Not like, oh, that's easy, I could do that, but I just know It's inspiring. Right? Yeah, it's basically, yeah, yeah it gives people ideas. Um, and again, you, you know, you're not out there flexing, like, you know, some no, people, no. some people are fucking, they, they flex too much and they don't really show people what it really truly means to fucking build something from the ground up and you know when when I first came in here to record this podcast one of the first things that we done was you know you gave me a tour and um you know like in the showroom over there you've you've, you've got pictures on the walls of of, of it's, it's what I said was chapters of your story yeah um and you can see it it's all there and and that is something that really just bleeds through you know you're not someone that just uh that just created some fly by night brand and made a fancy logo. Like you really have built what you have from the ground up and, yeah. and continue to do that today. So, um, bro. Yeah. So, yeah. but there's a flexing thing. I've never been about, this is what I've got. This, mm. you know, blah, blah. I'll just do my thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm doing well. Um, I've got, I'm not going to say the word that I've got money. I'm, I'm doing fine. And I've got, you know, some, bits here, bits there, and savings, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not going to openly go and rub it in people's faces. I've just bought this, I don't know, fucking 90 grand car. Because not everyone can afford the 90 grand car or whatever car, you know. So mm. I'm not going to be like, well, look at me. Because I want to stay in touch with people. Mm. Um, you know, obviously, get, get nice stuff. You know, you've got to work on get nice stuff. But you haven't always got to sort of throw it out there. I mean, you can say I've got a new car today, done. Mm. 
but it hasn't got to be a continuous fucking everything. Of them. Instagram know? is full of it. But um, dude, one of the things that I really want to do is um, you know, I because we could talk all day about what you've got here right now, but I think what is really, really powerful about this podcast is it kind of gives people an, an insight into where you were before all of it. And, you know, like I said, we've been connected for, you know, years, but there's still parts of um, your story that I don't know. And we were saying about this earlier on that there's a lot of people that they kind of piece together what they can yeah, well, based on what you post, yeah. but they don't really know who you are. So one of the first things that I really want to dive into and before we really unpack the rest of, um, uh, of the story is like if we had to jump in a time machine and we, and we go all the way back, um, when were you born? What year? Huh. <laughs> well, I mean, it's hard to say. How many birthdays you had? <laughs> <laughs> I was born in 77. 77. So yeah. let's, let's go all the way back to 77. Right, we um, went back to 77. Memory-wise, I fast forward. Mm. I'd say, uh, probably around about, I don't know, six, seven years old, continuously drawing and drawing and painting and drawing and making shit all the time. All I ever did was draw. Mm. That's all I remember doing. Where did that come from, do you think? Did I don't you... know, like, my mum is not creative. My dad's not really creative like that. My brother's not really like that. Um, I don't know, it just sort of like, I just picked up a pen and started doing all mad stuff. And then as I got older, it was sort of going to more, I'd take it more seriously and it'd be sketches. Um, and then I got into the whole graffiti thing. Um, so it started like drawing graffiti and they went from that to tagging, throw ups, mm. small pieces here and there, illegally. <laughs> um, and then hip hop, like my, even like my music sort of, it would be like hip hop, uh, Beastie Boys and that sort of thing. So that with the graffiti and the drawing and the painting, um, the hip hop culture with the clothing, that all sort of brought all together and then my sort of, um, and then from them actually, I actually started doing airbrushing. So it went the drawing, the painting, etc. And then I started doing airbrushing. So I got an airbrush um, for my birthday. And so I started doing- How old were you? What, when I got the airbrush? Yeah. I was probably uh, last part of senior school. So I was probably about 13, 14. Got the airbrush and I started doing, um, flyers actually mm. did a few flyers for some local like raves and stuff um and then i actually remember airbrushing it sounded really sad i was airbrushing my own t-shirts mm. right? and at that point i knew that i wanted a clothing something done a few t-shirts worn down the street <laughs> but i did a big aerosol can i airbrushed an aerosol can on the rear quarter then about two or three of them and then forgot about the t-shirt thing Mm. And then just carried on. Um, I did like, so a lot of flyers and um, commission things. People asked me to draw stuff, stuff mm. like drawing cars. I was into the Volkswagen scene, so started doing that, getting paid for doing that as well. Um, and then, yeah, the t shirt thing done. That was it. Didn't, didn't think about it ever again. Mm. Um, yeah, so can, can you remember at that point, you know, when you were when you were kind of getting into that? Can you remember if there was a it, was there any external influence? Was there anyone around you that was that was doing that other than drawing? Right? No, yeah. no one. See, that's interesting. No one at yeah. all. It was just, I think, like I say, the music I was listening to, and 
and I started skateboarding as well. Skateboarding, that's mean that all them things merged into one thing, which mm. probably gives the style I've got, the clothing, it kind of is a mixture of all those things. Mm. So when I was skating, you know, even the artwork on the skateboard decks and stuff, it was all, it all goes hand in hand with the hip on the rest of it. Um, do you ever get caught, I've just got to ask this, do you ever get caught with spray painting illegally? Did I? Yeah, I've got, got chased a few times. <laughs> I, I used to be on the top deck of the bus um, and then look at the guy, you know, in the mirror and stuff like that. But no, I've not really got chased a few times, um, but I did more airbrushing and drawing on paper than I actually went out and doing throw. I did a few throw ups and mm. bits and pieces, but no, it weren't really for me doing the trains and Mm. No, 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 no. Climbing up those bridges. No, no. And, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't no, imagine no, no, you no, doing no. it to be fair. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's uh it's really cool, man, because it kind of I mean I can relate to to, to some of it because um like I was saying before we hit record, you know, art was a, a big part of it was a big part of my life until you know, like I said, after leaving uh college, getting kicked out of college. Mm. But art was a big thing for me and Similar to that, to say you, there was really no one that was showing me, you know, like how to draw. Yeah, or, no, just, just kind of self-learned. Yeah, just, it does, yeah, I wanted to express myself, and I guess that's that's kind of a art is an expression of of what we're feeling, right? It's an expression of of who we are, and and we have our own way of kind of showing the world that, and we do it through these images, and um, kind of I I want to know a bit more about. Um, the time period that, that you kind of realised that, you know, you kind of left the t-shirts, but you were kind of in this phase of your like, your airbrushing some things. How did, how did that transpire to kind of moving the needle toward what you are doing now? So from the airbrushing and graffiti drawings, done A-level a art at school, which didn't really do anything for me. Um, didn't know, but it was more writing and researching, like I said before, researching old artists, which I didn't care about, um, <laughs> literally. So when I finished A-Level Art, um, I think in, while I was doing A-Level Art, I worked in Domino's Pizza. I don't know Shane and saying that. Um, I made the pizzas. I didn't mm. get on the scooters, I made them. So I was working there, um, and then I was doing these commissions. I was drawing cars and stuff, getting paid with that. And then I got a job um, at Signwriters making signs again the reason i went for that is because it's creative mm. so i can design vehicle graphics make signs um, and it was just i was always drawn to creative jobs mm. um i had jobs in between like when i was 17 18 sort of like working in um like jd that kind of thing if it weren't jd back then it was a sports shop but i was always drawn towards the sign sort of side of it done sign work for about 10 or 11 years and just plodded along literally plodded along mm. and like, then, most um, people, like, like most people do right yeah you just keep complacent with what's going on mm -hmm. and then a friend of mine from school owned a record shop and he said to me do you want to start doing some um, record sleeve designs and then we did i did that for a while and then he was like i'll come work at the shop so i have my own office and i have my own that was my take as a taste of my first company because we started inner planet designs so I was using uh, Cinema 4D, I was doing four-dimensional designs, Photoshop Illustrator, and some really cool record sleeves and big names. Mm. Um, so again, still being created there. That fell through, which I'm not ashamed to say, it flopped. Um, 
but it's good because he gave me a taste of 100% of, of business and how it works and doesn't work bro and then sometimes it doesn't work yeah <laughs> more often like, than oh, not like it doesn't right, work yeah. and that was a bit of a a learning curve I'm like okay um, so I had to go back to my old job and he took me back um, and I thought well, I can't be here again for another 5, 10, mm. 12 years plodding along mm. so at that point I was there for another couple of years and up and left I mean I up and left with nothing to go to up and left do you think the, the main driver to do that was that you didn't want to be there or was it that you knew there was something else you wanted to pursue uh, yeah I was just I couldn't I was being creative but all I was doing was designing bands and and stuff like that, which taught me a lot. Um, and I helped run that business as well, partly. So, how old were you at this point? I was probably the second time I went back. You know, the first time I was there, like 11 years. The second time I went back, I was trying to work this out. I was probably, what am I, 43? It's in my 30s, mm. maybe mid, maybe mid 30s, something like that. Mm. Um, left there with no job. And then works on London Underground, putting posters on the back wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know the 48 sheets? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, started doing that. And because I was doing night work, I um, basically had nothing to do in the day. So this is when the gym came into it. Mm. So I thought, right, well, started going to the gym. Had you been training before that or not? I had, I sort of dabbled in a day here, a day there with my mate last day. Um, but now I had all this time, I was like, right, I focused on training really fucking hard. And it kind of took over a bit. I was there every day, two, three hours, whatever. Then I go back, you know, mm. like you do. Um, and then, yeah, I got a bit carried away. And that's when I fell ill um, with, uh, <clears throat> sorry, with liver and kidney failure. And nearly, literally nearly died. I mean, it was bad you see because I, I vaguely remember uh, somewhere i may have read about it or or something um but w- what was the cause of that did you did you, did you find out what the cause was Do you know yeah it was just was? sort of um i mean my well you know your body creates creatinine anyway and so my creatine levels were always kind of high but then i was taking more creatine um to train right so yeah bits yeah. and pieces yeah. and and yeah, I wasn't looking after myself. I was training to uh, going out partying, taking this supplement, that supplement, blah, blah, blah. Um, do you ever do steroids? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, the reason I ask I, um, is... I, I took some like test boosters and, mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm. And such a they, taboo subject, man. Yeah, <laughs> very, I've, been, I've been on there a few very, times. Very taboo. You know, um, the reason I ask is, you know, I, I've done them, and and you know, that's something that you know, I had to kind of kind of come to terms with doing that. And and you know, I was stayed on straight for two years at one yeah. point. Uh, I never did any any crazy compounds. It was very basic, or just an anthate stuck to that, and a relatively low dosage as well. And you know, I feel like the biggest thing it helped with was aided recovery. But other than that, it was no magical fucking juice. No, no it's again, it's down to hard work. And yeah. All the things that people like to avoid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the magic pill and the rest of it. Yeah. So, yeah, mine was kind of a... I've always thought my body's been sort of shit because I seem to get diseases and illnesses really easy. Like mm-hmm. the one I've got now. But So, my creative levels, they said, always 
skyrocketing mm. anyway before mm. I started going gym and this and that. Um, and then, yeah, like obviously, you know, I know I'm not saying that I won't drink enough water, gave me liver and kidney failure, but long story short, I woke up one day, me and, um, me and my girlfriend, Lorraine, was driving to a funeral, mm. and my uncle had passed away of um, uh, liver failure, which is kind of ironic, because mm. I'm now driving to his funeral, and my missus said to me, you look yellow, your irons are yellow. Um, stepped out and my, and my brother said to me, you look fucking green. So I went to the funeral and then uh, went back home and I actually thought I was, I felt like I was dying. Appetite was gone, my skin was itching. Um, I felt continuously sick, nausea, just, you know, I weren't going to toilet properly. My urine was like, like coke, mm. so bad. And it got worse and worse. And then, jeez, I went to hospital and they said, um, you ain't going nowhere, you're on it bad bad way so they took me in and what was happening they said that i don't know technical terms but they said my bilirubin levels were climbing so fast he said we can't do our dialysis he said because this is either going to peak flatten off come back down or you're going to go straight to renal failure and there's nothing we can do he said you're climbing that fast he said so it's 50 50 you're gonna have to wait this out so i'm in the hospital bed taking that in looking green, yellow. Um, and then I was in there, I think about four and a half weeks. So I had to sort of ride it out. I mean, at one point I went to the toilet. Um, I don't know if you know that, I think it's your kidneys or your liver. Um, basically what happens, the reason you go green with jaundice is because the bile in your stomach comes out. Mm -hmm. And that's what colors your skin into like a green color. And without the bile in your stomach, um, it can't colour things like your urine or your, your, your shit, your feces. So when I'm in the toilet, I'm having a shit and it's grey. It's like cement. Wow. So I'm calling the doctor again. That looks like cement. He went, yeah, because the bile's not doing the job it should be doing, which is colouring your stools, your shit, whatever. Um, and that's why you look green. He said, because you're not very well. So, and then the scabs and the rashes and the spots and the 24 7 burning itching i mean I, my mum used to come in with wet tea towels and lay them over my legs and my body because the itching was so intense that i was bleeding everywhere because i was scratching so much yeah. as well as being yellow and shitting out cement so that went on for four and a half weeks um and then that's when i realized that i need to sort my life out mm. and that's when i decided to start bulletproof so just want to unpack some of that real quick. Because um, a lot of people, you said just very clearly just then, at that point, I realised that I needed to sort my shit out. But that is something, and it may seem like, you know, just a, a couple of words, but that is something that I would call radical responsibility. That is someone who recognises that what they're doing is, is, is you know, not serving them or causing them pain or and not just in the physical term but we're talking mental emotional whatever yeah that's someone that recognizes it sees it and instead of pointing the finger at other things instead of saying oh i'm this because of this or i got ill because of that that's someone making fucking taking radical responsibility so you know why at that point why not before 
as you said, this kind of because went on for a while. Why it did was, it? it? When the doctor said to me, it's 50 50, you, you know, it's going to go one way or the other. Um, I knew what that meant. It was like, you're literally going to go reinflate your diet. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying like I got a second chance, but I thought, I'm going to bounce back from this. I'm going to bounce back with a meaning and a purpose, and I'm going to bring something to the table. And I want something meaningful going mm -hmm. forward. I want to be like, well, this is, this is me. This is what I can do. Like a legacy? Yeah, kind of like yeah. I can leave behind and oh that's you know bulletproof and um so yeah I just thought right okay so I mean come out of the hospital um went back to my my girlfriend's house and she had this old tiny PC computer um yeah it's so old it had the tower so it was like <laughs> you know a tower computer and I said to her right I want to do some designs I want to design like a, a Jimmy brand even though I'd lost about four stone and looked like full on death, mm -hmm. I went, I want to design some t-shirts. So I downloaded the free illustrator, free copy, you know, the 30 day one. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, right, well I've got 30 days to bring out free designs. Bro, I've used a lot of those 30 yeah. day things. And then you register with another email address. <laughs> yeah, like, well. I want another free one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking click funnels, or yeah. as, they, as, as they keep getting called, dig funnels by, uh, by some people. Dig funnels, that, that's one of them. It's like, hey, it's 97 pounds to sign up for this. But after your first 30 days, it's like, no, nah, motherfucker, I'll change my email and I'll, I'll, I'll fucking use an old bank card or use someone else's bank card. I don't give a fuck, but I'm going to rinse as many yeah. of these 30 day trials as I possibly can. That's how, that's how you know. Yeah, fucking so I did that and I, I just thought. How am I gonna like what am I gonna design? How am I and I sat there for a couple of days thinking, I don't actually know how I want this to look. Um I designed the logo first, which actually was um not the original logo that it is now, it was something different. It was a B and a P um barboy around it. And then I just started um, thinking about bodybuilding, I was doing some silhouettes of some bodybuilders and stuff like that. Um showed a few people and I was like, oh it looks really good. Um and then Actually, the logo come after the first designs because people were saying to me, what are you going to call it? And I said, like, I don't really know. And I was thinking of all these really cool things and it all sounded cheesy. And I mean, I actually sat back and went, do you know what? I went, I want to call it Bulletproof. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? What, what does that got to do with gym? I mean, because I just survived liver and kidney failure. I must be fucking Bulletproof. Literally nothing can stop me as, as cliche like, as yeah. it sounds. And that was the meaning behind it. Um, so yeah, did a few t-shirt designs and didn't have a screen printing uh, facilities. So a friend of a friend knew a screen printer, got him to print some bits for me. Um, this is while I was still in recovery uh, from the liver thing. So this would have been also before you had the small singular. Yeah, so room. I had no room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so I got this stuff delivered to my mum's house. I think I ordered like, 100 t-shirts, three different colours, and I put them in the back of, um, I put them in the back of my car, drove around to gyms, I just turned up, and I was like, did anyone want to buy a t-shirt? <laughs> so you know, that is something that I like, because, and it's good to unpack this right now, because there are some, um, some fitness professionals, people building their online businesses, that sort of thing, that are listening. And um, what you did was, you know, you didn't really have the skills at that point that you need that you have today, for example. No. But you 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 just went out and did it. 
Yeah, it was like, I've got 100 t-shirts. Gonna go fucking give these to 100 people. Yeah, I need yeah. to sell these to make mm. the money back because mm. I need to get that money to order the next 100. Um, so I went to my local gyms. Friends and family, that's the thing. With a brand, what people need to realise as well, the first people that buy off you will be friends and family. They always buy off you, yeah? Mainly family, but... That stops after the first thing you bring out. 100%. Because they'll be like, yeah. oh, look, I'll buy a t shirt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you can't rely on that going forward because they're not always going to buy for you. You need people to buy for you. You don't fucking know. Yeah. I literally don't know. Even if it's a friend of a friend, that's no good. You need Otherwise, people you haven't know. got a business. No. That's right. So, friends and family ball, and you know, other gyms that I didn't know were buying bits and pieces. And I stopped it in a couple of gyms, um, sound return. It was okay. Uh, but I managed to get rid of all the t-shirts in the end. And then I think after that... What... You know, I just want to say, mate, I, I resonate hard with it because when I had Supreme Nutrition and gym wear, <laughs> um, I did the same thing. So basically, I started pretty similar to you, I guess, in some ways. So, you know, I found a local, uh, just a t-shirt printing place. Yeah. I can't remember the name of it now, but... Um, there was this, this little place that, you know, these people that ran this embroidery and printing service. And I'm like, yo, I need some t-shirts. I've got this design and I just want to design them with t-shirts. And it was a, like a laurel reef at that point. I think you remember yeah, yeah, yeah. it. It's like a laurel reef. Yeah, yeah. It was the worst fucking logo I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> you should have said something, man. Fuck me, say me no, sometime. No. Uh, so I'm looking at you know, and I'm, but at the time, like you don't see it like that, right? You're like, this is fucking. This is my bake. This is this. Yeah, I'm that's building something. Yeah. yeah, this is what I'm doing. It's to make me a millionaire. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got me, mate. Uh, it's so true. It's so fucking true, though. Um, and, you know, so, like, I had these T-shirts, and, and then when I had the T-shirts, this is at the point I was working um, at Fitness First. So I was a sales consultant yeah. at Fitness First. And um, I remember turning up at the gym, and, um, you know, like, I'm, I'm fucking talking to, 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 to customers, basically, yeah. in, the, in, the, in the gym. I'm like, yo. Uh, I'm yeah, literally. <laughs> I, like, I had no yeah. skills whatsoever. In terms of actually, you know, lead generation and marketing and sales and fulfillment. And then I didn't even know what them things fucking right. meant. So I don't know if it was the same for you. At that point, you know, you said before you kind of helped a, a friend to kind of run a business. But we know when you're saying run, it, it could mean a number of things. So at that point, did you have kind of experience and no, or like, did you just rock up and be like yo i've got 100 t-shirts i need 100 customers oh, i've got no large in the blue but i've got one in the red <laughs> <laughs> and it's like well what have you got in the yellow I was like, oh extra large do you, you fill that out so i would um i would turn up and i say i literally go open the boot and i say whatever's in there is what i've got and if you say to me have you not got that in this size, I'd be like, anything that's in there, that's it. When's the next lot coming? I don't know. <laughs> because I've just ordered this off someone else. Yeah. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's um, not making it up as you go along, but making it up as you go along and learning at the same time. 100%. You take sure. lessons from it, 100%. I mean, and it's usually not even a, like, you know, when you don't even know what you're doing and, and you're just rocking up and doing it, you, you're moving the needle. And, yeah, it and sometimes it isn't even, you can't even really see it. And like you said before, this could go on for fucking weeks or months or even years and you don't really see too much movement. Um, I just think that's really, really important point to kind of, to, 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 to kind of unpack because 
so many fitness professionals out there now, especially people listening to this podcast, they kind of come into the online space. They want to grow their online business and you know, they just, they, they want it all today. Yeah. Literally today. They want it like now, you know, so they, they come into the space and they're like, okay, cool. You know, I'm going to set up an online coaching business. I'm going to start, you know, generating clients. I'm going to get a 10 K months. It's just like the vision that people have. And, but they, they don't understand that sometimes it doesn't work straight away. It never, so, I don't think it ever works right away. Unless you're you extremely lucky. Yeah. And someone wears your, even if someone famous, popular does wear your t-shirt, it doesn't mean it's going to sell. No. Nah. It's like, it, it, so this is this is what I was saying. So at that point, I assume I don't know, but I assume it didn't work at that point. No. So I sold out the t-shirts, mm. and I think I had some hoodies as well. And then the guy who ran the gym, he was stocking my t-shirts. He said to me, "Oh, I've got a room upstairs. Like, you know, that's a spare room if you ever want to rent it to stock stuff." Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what? Let me see if I can start screen printing and save money. Because the guy who was originally printing my t-shirts was charging, this day he was charging me £8 a t-shirt. Um, and I thought, well, if I can get a t-shirt for this cost and I'll print it, I'm going to save maybe four or £5 per t-shirt. So without even researching screen printing, I went on eBay and bought a second-hand screen printing machine. Mm. Didn't check the size, didn't just, I just went and bought it. Mm -hmm. But my dad took me in his van, so I had some old shitty Ford Focus. Um, too long. So, with no reverse gear. <laughs> so, picked it up, took it upstairs to this room. It was charging me £40 a week to, to rent it. And this is when, it, when I first started probably printing and doing my own thing. Mm. Set it upstairs, but I didn't realise that the machine was taller. And basically, it's too tall. So, when the carousel spun around with the screen printing arms, it was hitting the ceiling. Mm. So, I had to put the machine on the floor and print on my knee literally print on my fucking knee do you know i just want to say something bro this is so powerful man your story is powerful because what you're explaining is a position that you were in that was you know most people if there's a small inconvenience in in the in starting getting off the starting grid they fucking cower down you know they're like oh it's a small inconvenience they don't think to adapt and that's what you had to do and i mean that in the physical term i mean you're in a building that's physically too small for what equipment you had and you you adapted you, you know you found a solution to that whereas a lot of people would find that, yeah, you know yeah. oh, i need um, a, they, 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 i need yeah. another office or i need yeah, a bigger yeah. bill there's always something that they need before they just take yeah. action and i think that's such a big lesson from your story is that you know, you, you sometimes you just have to fucking take some action. You yeah, you've got to get on with it. You just have to do it. So Find a way. Yeah, the machine hit the ceiling, and I was like, okay, laugh for about a second. I thought, that's kind of fucked. And then what I also didn't realise, when I first moved in, it wasn't summer. I think it was sort of like, maybe it might have been like April, May. Um, what I didn't know was the actual ceiling, part of it was corrugated seat plastic. Mm. And then I didn't, also didn't know that uh, in summer, this room, the sun would come through. It's so hot, right? <laughs> and this is no lie, and I still haven't put a video yet. I've got to put this video up on my Facebook. My girlfriend videoed me, right? <clears throat> printing in my fucking boxer shorts on the floor. Because <laughs> <laughs> the sun was so fucking hot. Everything was just dripping. I was wow. sweating. So she's like, I've got a video. So oh. I'm literally in my boxer shorts, printing on my fucking hands and knees, paint everywhere. 
And I don't actually know what at what point made me carry on because that mm. was kind of a bit of a low point. Yeah. Um, not the lowest, yeah, but that was kind of low. Did that and then went to Body Power and saved up enough money to get a small stand, mm -hmm. pasting table. Yeah, fucking expensive. I mean, the year you rent as well, I'm pretty sure they were still pretty They, they were quite reasonable back then, before oh, Body Power turned to a load of shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think 2014, I only paid for a stand, I think it was like £1,600 for the bit carpet. Mm. A pasting table, like a decorated table, put a sheet over it, um, hung up loads of stuff, printed as much as I could. So I bought loads of blank stock, printed it all, tagged it all, um, and drove to Birmingham with the hope that, I, I, again, I'd put all my money into my resources into that one weekend. Mm -hmm. So all the stock, petrol, hotels, food, um, I had a few people helping me out. It's a big risk. Yeah, so I thought if I don't sell most of this, I'm back to square one. I'm going to be on my ass. Turned up, and I fucking sold loads of it. <laughs> I sold fucking loads. And the best thing is, we was put next to two stands. We was put next to Dorian Yates stand, mm -hmm. and across the way was Phil Heath stand. And in the middle of that, there was the hog roast burger stall, one of the best ones there. And their queue used to go straight past, in front of mm -hmm. our stand. So everyone queuing is looking at us straight stuff. away, yeah. And we fucking sold so much. Great position. I must tripled what I took, uh, and then this guy from Australia walked over from this company, uh, NDA Supplements. He went, "Really like your stuff," and he was like, "We want to put an order in." I was like, "Cool. What sort of order are we looking at?" He went, "Don't know yet." He said, "But let me buy some bits off you now." He spent three hundred and fifty pounds, and I was like, "Fucking hell." <laughs> £350 on whatever he wanted. I obviously flew it back with him and he got an email saying we want to put an order in. And I was like, oh, this is... Bearing in mind, I've still got this small room. Mm. So any big order that comes yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Like, fuck you in. Yeah, you're hustling hard yeah. to turn it around. So he's yeah. like, oh, we're going to email the order over. We've looked at your website. I was like, oh, email comes through. Oh, we want to spend nine grand. And I'm like, fucking... I'm going mad. I'm like, oh my God. That's so grand. sick. I'm like, fucking, this is amazing. And then reality's kicked in like, you haven't got facilities. Fulfillment, yeah. You haven't got a fucking proper dryer to dry the t-shirts. You haven't got space, you haven't got storage. And uh, so I thought, but you know what? The money I've got from Body Power, I'll pay back, because I had to lend a couple hundred here and there, the petrol and stuff, pay them back. And the remaining money, I think I bought another dryer, second hand, to dry everything. Um, and then I bought the stock, it was needed for this big order from Australia. And they put in another order after that, after another eight grand, something like that. Then they put another order in, um, and the third order, it went a bit wrong because I ordered a lot of stock from overseas and it never turned up. Oh, it so you couldn't fulfill it then? It went wrong. Um, some of it turned up, uh, it, was, it just went all wrong. And then they flopped, that company flopped. So the one in Australia, they just, um, they went bust, and then... So, I, I want to ask, what, what's, what's the biggest lesson you learned from that? What, the, the thing? Exactly, like, it, having, putting that much effort into your business, getting this customer, locking them in, having a great, you know, customer to be able to service, but then, you know, failing on the fulfillment. What was the biggest lesson this, that you learned? Did uh, you wish I was that, trusting, I trusted everyone. Yeah. I was like, I don't care if he's overseas, where he's from. 
he's a, he's a businessman, surely he's not mm. going to knock me. And when I sent the money over via Western Union, um, mm. I don't think I had PayPal and he didn't have PayPal. Mm-hmm. And I trust him. And um, so we got some of it over, and it, it was hard work. It overrun. It took so long to get it that the people in Australia were now saying, "Like, where's where's mm-hmm. the fucking order?" Mm-hmm. So yeah, from from that, I was just like, "All right, that's a lesson learned. Don't ever use Western Union transfer because mm-hmm. it's not guaranteed. Uh, don't trust everyone, and don't mm-hmm. pay people up front. I paid a whole lot. Mm-hmm. So everything I earned from earned from Body Power, I sent to him mm-hmm. in the hope that he was going to do what he said." Um, so, so, so which is like fucking up back to square one mm. um, and then also with the money from the body power what I then did was it your full time gig that no school? still one I, oh, was, I was doing you're hustling I was doing roofing I was doing door work <laughs> I was a dancer uh, I was doing painting and decorating what the fuck behind you man yeah I was doing that um, and then a few of them sort of fell through Fucking seriously driven, mate. Honestly, it's um, but you've got to do whatever's whatever you can get, mm-hmm. and it was still funding bulletproof. And then I moved to another little um, bed. Um, oh, that, so the next room I moved to was the the uh, the grow room. Mm-hmm. So, my basically, my landlord who I thought was my landlord wasn't my landlord, he was taking money off me. <laughs> it turns out that his dad was the landlord, but he's in America. He was just there as like the caretaker to sort of look after his state, but he was taking cash off me. Um, and then it turns out I'm getting evicted because he's like, um, oh, well, basically, my son's been taking money. So we've managed to sort that out, and it's sort of a bit more legal, and then everything carried on as normal as you know, I was in this room, it was fine. And then I used to see him in his office, sort of two, three, four in the mornings, or doing late nights. And I thought to myself, that's really weird. Like, why is he always in there mm-hmm. so late? And then I got a call. He was in hospital. He was um, he was kidnapped. They a bunch of lungs, cracked ribs, broken jaw, nose was fractured. Basically, he had a grow room set. He was growing weed, oh. right? In this really nice. Well, I worked in it for a bit, but in this room, a small building, and I went to see him, and he was like, "Oh, look, I'm going to be out of action for X amount of weeks. If you want the room, you can go in there, clear it all out. Obviously." He got kidnapped, they took all the weed, they took all the growing equipment. Jeez. So all that's left was bits of string, a cut fans, and a smell of fucking weed. Yeah. Some weed. Yeah. So I took that room over and that was my second my second room building, whatever. Um where was you living at that point? I was in Hainal. I lived in Hainal. Okay. So you so had was, a place to live and then you had uh, like that as a as a secondary like as a yeah, room. yeah. But I used to sleep there quite a lot, mm. um, just to get all the work done. So I built out, Absolutely. and then, then the right, then the landlord thing appeared again. So the actual fucking real landlord actually flew over, um, and he said, "Right, this is what's going on. My brother, <laughs> he owns half the estate. I own half the estate. We're going for a legal battle to see, you know, basically one of them didn't own it and, and this and that." And I said, "I don't care, mate. I'll pay you whatever." Just let me do my thing. He said, no, we're not putting all this down and it's all going to be uh, regenerated, the rest of it. So I said, right, what does that mean? He said, well, you're going to get evicted. I went, how long? He went, oh, we don't know yet. So, and he fucks off. A few weeks later, I've now got my second disease. So, can't breathe, lungs are fucked, mm-hmm. coughing up blood, I'm deaf in both ears, 
I've got all this pain around my eyes. Um, this went on for fucking weeks and weeks and weeks. Went for a x-ray, and the girl who'd done the x-ray, I'll never forget this, she looked like she'd seen a ghost. Mm. And she said to me, right, can you wait there? They usually say, go outside. Oh, okay. No, actually, can you go outside? No, wait, let me, and she was panicking. I'm like, that's fucking something really wrong here. So she said, right, go and sit outside. I've got to call something doctor. She's shining the things and that. He's like, right, you need to go home and we will phone you. And I went, right, what's going on? He went, just go on and we're going to phone you. 20 minutes down the road, a phone call from my doctor saying, you need to come and see him right now. So my girlfriend joined me. We both drove to the doctors. And he'd seen me multiple times with all these lung problems. And he was like, oh, it's this and that. He sat me down and he went, um, got to make a few phone calls. And the first person he phoned was oncologist. Like the whole cancer department. And I'm like, what the fuck? Rushed me to hospital, done a CT scan, and then they misdiagnosed me. They said, you've either got because I had this mass on my lung. You have got TB, he said, which, not these days, or you've got lung cancer. Mm. I was like, all right, actually. No, it said now, you got COVID. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've got all them things. You've got COVID. COVID. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, it has to be COVID. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I recovered from COVID. No, so um, he sat me down and he said, um, it could be this you know, lung cancer. I was like, all right, cool. He went, well, it's not, is it? He went, because that's pretty fucking serious. And I went to him, mate, I'm fucking bulletproof. You know, joking around. He went, no, this is serious. And um, See, at that point, mate, you still have so bulletproof on your mind. So I'm right? like, I've got that. I've, I've got through the livery kidney thing. Yeah. Um, so as all this is going on, I'm so ill now, I can't work. So the rent's not being paid at the unit because I'm in and out of hospital with scans and all that. No. Um, and then we're called into a fucking family room to let everyone know you've got lung cancer. But obviously it wasn't that anyway, it was this fucking rare disease. I was mum sitting there crying, and I'm laughing, going, oh, it's my life, it's fucking whatever. Jeez. Everyone's in tears, and all I could think about was getting back to work. I'm like, I need to fucking get to work. I've got orders. Mm -hmm. I was like, no. But the site was on hold. More tests, more tests, CT scans. I had a fucking um, a lung, uh, lung biopsy, and they put this huge rod through your armpit while you're awake. And it goes all the way in, takes a piece of your lung, comes back, oh, it's prodded and fucking horrible. And then I had to get my results from, um, I had to be at King George's in Newby Park. And she sat me down, I'm thinking, just fucking hurry up and say what it is. She said, good news or bad news? She went, good news, good news is not lung cancer. So it was the bad news then. She went, it's something so rare and more deadly. Mm. that you need to go straight to um, uh, Royal Brompton in Chelsea because you ain't well at all and this will kill you, literally dead. Mm. So she's got this rare, uh, rare disease called Wegener's granulatosis. Um, she said your whole left lung is just covered. She said that's why you can't breathe and blood. So I rushed me to the hospital and then the next day I started chemo. So mm. I had chemo for six months. And while I was having chemo, Bulletproof literally just died. Literally. So it was you, watched like, your, you watched, the, you, watched yeah. what you built up to that So point. I'm sitting in this fucking hospital bed with this fucking shit being pumped into me. Um, and yeah, I'm seeing all this just not coming in. 
website's now on hold. How did that? How did that make you feel, man? I was devastated. So everything I've worked for is now going to go to shit because of one fucking stupid disease. And how long at that? Because obviously we said earlier to give context. You've had it about nine years. How many years in was this? Or that was probably time? around about. That was about four, maybe five years in. Wow, about see. four or five years in. So I was kind of killing it, and then bang, I was being killed. Oh. <laughs> um, but my my girlfriend, she got a, um, a bonus from work, like a thousand pounds, and she came into the hospital and she's like, right, there's a thousand pound, pay your rent, um, pay your phone bill, pay this, pay that. She spent all the money on me. Even bought me a pair of Air Force, I think, as well, white Air Force. Um, so I was like, well, that's good. Because you've covered my bills. But my fucking business is, mm. I can't do anything. I can't put nothing out there. Um, that's safe for, for was, six. Were you still motivated at that point? Yeah, I was, I was still. What gave you the motivation, man? Because truth is, mate, you know, like the more I'm listening to your story, it's fucking powerful, dude. And a lot of people would have, you know, and it's a lot of, a lot of people would have given up. Oh yeah, definitely. A lot of people would have just said, "Nah, I'm done. Right? I, I, I'm, I'm I finished." So what, what, what was what was motivating you? What was driving you? What was making you go through that and at the same time still be switched on and driven? I, to, I, I to think. Do you know what? I blocked a lot of it out, so I can't actually remember what. No, people say to me, "How did you carry on?" And I was like, "I don't fucking know. No, I really don't." Have, like, you, have you ever sat? Have you sat back and reflected to try and figure that not out? Not enough. Yeah, I think I should do more. Hundred percent, bro. But I mean, when, when you're having like this... Piece um, it together, you know, stored yeah, it together. Yeah, but the whole chemo thing, obviously not everyone's had fucking chemo, it's not very nice, but I had such high doses. Um, your taste buds go, your gums start receding. Um, like I say, it's continuously throwing up, shitting, pissing, mm. as soon as you... It's fucking disgusting. Um, and the doctor says to me, you know, he's going and rest and all that. I was going into the gym, no lie. I went to the gym while I was having chemo. <laughs> I was thinking, I swear to God. And I thought to myself, if I can lift the five kilos <laughs> dumbbell, then I'm all right. I can try and maintain something. Yeah. And I couldn't sit indoors. I said, I'm not sitting indoors looking at the fucking walls mm. while I'm feeling ill. If I'm out, mm. even though, you know, I look like utter shit. Yeah. Um, if I'm out and about, then this whole treatment is not going to get to me. So that's what I'll do. I'll go to the gym, even if to see people. Mm. I'll do a bit of training. Um, I couldn't really print or do anything properly. Um, <clears throat> and then back to the landlord, all this is going on. I've gone back into work. Um, so I don't know why I was in there. And I've got an eviction notice on the door. So I've gone to see him. I was like, mate. And he went to me, fucking hell. He said, what's happened to you? I went, I'm in a bad way. I'm having <laughs> fucking chemo. He went, oh, we've just evicted you. Oh. I went, okay, that's great. I went, help me out. Literally, I said, help me out here. I said, this is bullshit. He went, we're knocking your bit of the building down and building other things. He said, so there's nowhere for you to go anyway. And I said, but mate, I'm fucking, look at me. My business is literally done. I'm fucking dying. Just do something. And he went, oh, well, I don't know. See what I can do. So I fucked off home. And I got a phone call. And he said to me, um, right, we've got you something. And he did this off his own back. He craned in a shipping container. So he bought, uh, it was a 40 foot shipping container, craned it in over all the buildings and he put it in the back of the car park. 
And he said, you can have that for hundred pound a week. We'll run some electricity into it. Um, and that's the best I can do. And I was like, I'll have that. It's a shipping container, but fuck wow. it. I'll make it look the bollocks. So got into that. And then uh, as the week carried on, I felt better and you know, all the rest of it. Got into the shipping container. And so he went, the electric's gonna take about four or five weeks. We've got to plumb it all in. He said, the nearest plug, <laughs> the nearest plug is probably like a two minute walk. Yeah, right, right. He said, so that's on you. I don't know what you're gonna do. I had three extension leads from the shipping container to this plug over here. Could I just say, right. I've got to just say, mate, I've got to, people right now listening, you have to understand that what you have around you right now, and we touched on this earlier, Joe, about what people have around them. Technology, people, you have information at your fingertips, you have coaches, you have mentors that you can literally, you can go on Google and you can find your favorite fucking mentor and you can get information and content from them. We live in, an, in a time where you've got things available to you abundantly. What Joe is talking about is graft. What Joe is talking about is doing things without all of those fancy fucking shiny objects. And sometimes you fall into this place where you might be having a bad time because your online business isn't working, or you might be having a tough day because there's no fucking leads coming in. But really, you need to be grateful for the tools and the resources and the support and all the stuff that you have available to you because this is a, this is a story with a real lesson to it. And I think it's important that we can all just kind of unpack that. Yeah, so go back to the container, we had the extension needs. And then little things like this, this is what no one ever said. And I could tell this, if I was here, if I told you every story, yeah, it'd take days. But one of the things, so we run three extension leads out across the car park. But then you've got the problem, it's raining now. Mm. Right, okay, so I'm in printing and everything's cutting out because the fucking extension leads are getting soaked. That's a hazard. Uh, so that's like a, you know, a dangerous thing. So I'm now wrapping them all up in fucking carrier bags. So carrier bags around the extension leads. The lights I've got are strip lights. But I had the strip lights converted to a plug on the end. But I couldn't put strip lights on the wall because I couldn't drill through steel to hang them up. So I had lights on the floor. So I'm printing up here, but the lights down there. <laughs> and it's like, I've got no toilet. So I was pissing in a bucket outside. No shame in that. Mm -hmm. And then obviously if I wanted to have a shit, I had to drive to the graveyard up the road who had public toilets. Mm. So. But to drive there and do that, I've got to unplug three extension leads, wrap up my carrier bags, lock up the fucking container, drive up the road, drive back again, and carry on. And obviously, a shipping container is like, in the winter, it's like a fucking freezer. Like an icebox. And in the summer, it's like a microwave. Yeah. So the days I went in, I couldn't work. I opened the doors, it was like, it's too hot. Um, and then... Not to mention doing all of it ill. <laughs> yeah, I'm still, I'm still ill at this point, and I'm just carrying on. And then um, I thought, I'm going to turn it into a shop, half shop and half sort of uh, workspace. And obviously, I didn't have the money to turn it into something amazing. So I used to go around, this sounds like a proper tramp. I used to go around in these states finding um, the pallets, you know, the wooden pallets. Mm. So I'd collect two or three here and there, build them up. And the plan was, I'm going to rip all the pallets apart and make it floor out pallets, the, the shelves out of pallets, and the worktop out of pallets. Mm -hmm. And I did that, 
did the whole fucking floor in old pallets, um, put the logo, spray painted the logo on the pallets, and it did actually look the bollocks. It took fucking ages, but it cost me fuck all because mm. they didn't have the money for mm. all these new things. So I built it up. Improvised again. Yeah. Then. Yeah. I had a little open done. day and I had six or seven people. <laughs> I had six or seven people turn up. It was the coldest day of the year. And I was like, yeah, we did a barbecue and everything. It was a fucking flop because it was just too cold. I know heating in there. So people coming in the shop were like, fucking hell, I've got to go. It's too cold. Um, spots. Yeah, literally. Yeah. So I was there for a little while longer and then moved to Braintree. Um, which is a step up because it was a bigger unit this time. It actually had a door mm. and uh, a shutter. Um, what was going on with your health at that point? Was I was, you, was you starting to feel better? I, was, was I you... started to, yeah, I started to feel a little bit better. Um, but since all that, my lungs are fucked. Um, my, my left ear, I'm deaf in one ear because the disease starts, uh, basically, what it does, it eats away at certain organs. The, the important ones like your brain, mm. you have a heart attack, your eyes, your ears, and your lungs. And it can also eat your septum, your nose, causing the saddle nose, which means your fucking nose will be no more. That will go and you'll have no. Wow. no honestly, it, it eats away here. So mine was starting in the ear, went to the lungs. So I'm definitely left ear, more or less. And yes, scarred, all, all my lungs are completely scarred, fucked. Um, so I do get a lot of ear issues, but then there's nothing you can do. So I'm not going to mm. sit there and ponder about my mm. ear don't work or mm. whatever. So it got a bit better. Um, yeah, I just pushed that to one side. Well, and, and again, like at this point, was you? What was you doing at all for? Well, if you had to summarise it, what was I, you doing? I'd at say all, um, at that point, I've gone so far. I thought, what well, I can't let that stop me. Like mm. the liver and kidney thing, I thought, right, you know. Let's start something um, that's worth starting, like you said, like a legacy. And then with the second disease, I thought, well, it's just as bad as the liver and kidney thing. So I can get through that, but I'm not going to go through all that for nothing to mm. go, oh, fuck this. Mm. Um, and what really spurred me on at one point, it was literally one of their moments, I was like, right, you know what? Let me fucking prove to you. Uh, someone said to me, Right, so someone said to me, do you know what? Why don't you just give it all up? Literally, these words. Why don't you give it all up? Get a normal job. And I, the disappointment, I, I was like, really? You really just said that to me? Are you actually fucking serious? Mm. I went, well, watch. I went, fuck you. I went, oh, that's all I need to hear. You want me to give it all up because I'm a bit ill or whatever. Um, and that pushed me on to prove certain people wrong. Mm. Um, In the process prove yourself right as well yeah fucking work eh? yeah definitely i thought you know so i built my strength up and then yeah the next unit come along that was great it was in fucking braintree so from like dagnum to braintree was like an hour hour and ten it weren't great but it was a better unit um straight away fell out the land or <laughs> full-time this um was it full-time it was full-time when i went to braintree when I went to Braintree, it was full time. Yeah. Before so, then, I, I was still doing, um, you know, still a bit of door work, uh, labouring when I could. So I want to dive into that. So you're still doing a few of these bits. What was the moment where you decided, fuck it, I'm going all in? I'm well, going to just go all in on so what I'm doing. Basically, I was working um, 
I was working at Blackfriars Station um, and I was, another job I had. I can't even wire a plug. If you give me a plug now, I, can, I will fuck that up and I'll blow you up, right? I was, became an electrician's mate. So a Sparks mate. So I basically got to help out the electrician in anything that he's doing. And I knew absolutely fuck all. So friend of a friend said to me, I've got you this job, um, working at Blackfriars Station in London. And I was like, right, okay, cool. And he was like, what? And I said to him, what am I doing? And he said, oh, don't worry about it. My dad will uh, meet you at the station and he will, um, you know, you'll meet the gang and all the rest of it who you're working with. So I turned up and he's like, right, put your boots on, blah, blah, blah. This is who you're going to be working with. I'm like, yeah, cool. What am I doing? He went, don't worry about that. I said, no, I need to know what I'm doing. Because they've all got tool bags. I ain't got shit. I mean, oh, you're Sparks, mate. I mean, Sparks, electrics. I went, no. He went, yeah, he went, you're fine. He went, you know, so, you know electrics, don't you? I went, I oh, know, fuck off. I blagged that job for about a year until the actual foreman, the top guy, found out that I didn't know anything. And I, every day I was blagging everything. I was hiding. I was, I was asking people for help. What's that? I've got to get this, blah, blah, blah. And then the job was coming to an end and people were standing there talking, going, oh, I've got four weeks here. I've got a two-week stay there. I've got six weeks on that job. Uh, then I ain't got nothing. I'm thinking, I can't do that. Mm. I need to know that I've got permanent money and mm. stuff coming in. Mm. So I thought, before this job ends, I'm going to fuck off and I'm going to go to Bulletproof and just ride it. Like, if I've got no money, yeah. I'll fucking go about. And I did. I left the job. Took a, took a uh, and that, that was when I took it. I thought, you know what? I had not a lot of money in the bank, but I had enough to get petrol and stuff. And I thought, that's it. Fuck it. I'm going for it. I did it. I took that leap. And um, there was some, at that point, really low times. Like, for instance, I'd pick up my daughter from school. And she'd be like, um, so we go to Tesco's after school. And she's like, oh, I'm hungry. And I said, so what do you want? She went, oh, can I have a sandwich? I went, yeah, of course So she picked up this, you know, the three pound sandwich with everything in it, the mm -hmm. proper one. And I went, oh, no, no, <laughs> can't have that one. So I'm looking, I had like one pound 20 on me. It's all I had. Mm. I had no sales. And, I saw, and she went, oh, what can I have? And I went, you can have just the just ham. <laughs> <laughs> she went, why? Why? I went, Daddy ain't got no money. Mm. And she didn't complain. She's like, mm. fine, I'll have that one. Mm. And then I remember getting into the car, looking back, back in the seats, trying to find fucking anything. Mm. Dropped her own, um, and it started kicking in, thinking, what have you done? Mm. And what have you actually done here? You Bro, it resonates so hard with your story, man. It's like, really do. Mm. but you know, what can you, you've got to, you know, keep hustling. And, I've been there, mate. And it, it is, it's one of those things that you just, there's a, there's a moment of true self-reflection, isn't there, where you feel when you have to, I've been in the exact position where I've not had the money to, to you know, literally buy my daughter something like, yeah, and choose, it's, choose it's, between the more expensive or the cheaper version, basically, yeah. is what I'm trying to say. And it's fucking horrible. And it, yeah, it is. And, to, and then to, especially when they ask you, you know, daddy, why? And then you have to stand and you have to think, why? And it's not that you can blame anything around you at all. You no, can't blame. It's on you. A hundred percent. And it's like, well, and I, when I Radical that ownership. day, and I was like, I was looking around thinking, what have you, what have you done in? I thought, no, do you know, not what have I done? Let me get some fucking money in. So went into my cupboard and I found 
these three or four vests that never been worn, they just never bagged or in my package. I literally laid them out on my bed, I took a photograph and I put them on Facebook, because at this point, my last one pound 20 had gone. Mm. Um, I needed um, petrol, and I think I had two orders in my room that needed to be sent, um, but that was my last one money. So, laid the vest out on the bed, took a photograph, put it on Facebook, and I put something like, four vests, 15 pound, uh, including postage, you know, whatever. And I sold them, and with 15 pound, I was like, right, touch. So now I can put petrol in my car. But then I was like, but I need to send these orders. Mm. So it's like, what am I gonna do? What's more important? So I had to walk, <laughs> so I've got the orders, I thought, right, we know what, fuck the car, I'll walk the 40 minutes, whatever it was, with all the orders, and I'll, I'll do that. Um, and that's how I carried on. Mm. Living every day, like, just scraping money. Cutting budgets, yeah. Yeah, and then the orders would slowly come in. Um, didn't do any other jobs really like sort of part-time it was like fully bulletproof apart from when i was growing the whole mm. weed thing mm. and like i said people won't don't like to speak about things they shouldn't have done um oh that's illegal blah, blah. but when you're that fucking desperate mm. and you've read a lot of books on how to grow weed then you do and the opportunity was you know someone said to me look i've got this bit of space here and i went look i'm not gonna go all Scarface and go all mad and, you know, Pablo Esca. I'm going to grow some, somewhere. Mm. I had like eight or 10 plants. I had a mother plant. I had cuttings. I had a little thing going on. But I knew that once I've got that money from that and put it into Bulletproof, that was that. Shut that down, done, finished. Mm. I'm not going to carry that life. I, I ain't that guy. I'm not a fucking drug dealer. Like, that's not what it I want to do. It was a means to an end. It yeah. wasn't. It so wasn't, I knew that yeah. I would do it for X amount of time, get that. Um, and I think with that, I bought another bit of equipment, uh, you know, and carried on like that. And um, that was just another thing that I had to do, mm. you know. And then, like me, oh, not after that, my car reverse gear went in my full focus, and that was on its way out, but I couldn't afford to get another fucking car because mm. all the money I was earning had to go into the business mm. of buying fucking sandwiches. <laughs> Mate, <laughs> it's, 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 it's powerful because, you know, there's people out there that have, like we said earlier, flexing and, you know, that they, they are starting a business. They're not even really getting off the starting bridge yet, but they like to think that, that show it that they are, you know, especially with fucking Instagram and stuff. Yeah, like definitely. You know, you, you were really, truly grinding there to make your business work and, you know, you're doing whatever you could do to reinvest it back into the business. So not thinking like, how can I, you know, buy the next thing that I want, you know, for myself or flex in any way at all. You were just reinvesting the money that came in yeah. straight back into your passion, straight back into what your zone of genius is. Exactly, yeah. And that's what people don't seem to realise. They think, oh, first bit of money I'll get, sold some hoodies, let's go and buy a watch or, I don't know, like, go and lease a car. But that's not going to get you sales. No. At all. And, well, it won't, but... You know, like that Instagram thing, it's, it paints a, a false picture of what successful is. Successful mm. is not getting the car on the fucking holiday and having the perfect fucking girl on your arm and the little fucking dog and all that bollocks. Because mm. that ain't success. Success is building something from nothing. Grassroots. And it's, in its stage, it holds its own. And then when people start getting your logo tattooed, on their fucking neck. And that for me, give me that over money. Mm. 
or give me someone emailing me going, your brand has changed my life, it's inspired me. Give me that all day over driving around in a car or, or whatever, or you know, on a beach somewhere. I'd rather that recognition and then someone saying that you've inspired me to start mm. a brand or whatever. Mm. That money comes and goes and hundred percent ebbs know, and flows, man. Like literally, yeah, ebbs and flows. And it doesn't make despite what people say, it can help, but it doesn't solve your problems and it doesn't make you happy happy. No. Like it might make you happy in a, you know, one day here and there, but it's not the be all and end all. Mm. So I want to ask a question, we're gonna shift gears a little bit. Um because, do you know, like again, look, I wasn't aware of some of your story, man. And honestly, I, not only do I resonate fucking hard with a lot of what you've said, um, I also just see that that you know everything that you've built is is genuine, you know. And um, you you've you've built something with grassroots, you know, and it's and it's something that you are truly passionate about. And you know, a lot of people do get caught up in the online space, especially when they come onto it and they see people doing. You know, maybe a bit better than them or having things that they don't have and uh they, they just want the shortcuts all the time yeah but we're talking about a story that's unraveled over nine years so i want to shift gears slightly and just looking back at, at you know at, at your life what would you what would you say is has shaped you the most if you had to look back at all of your chapters and really unpack what shaped you the most what would it be what well, sort of changed me or as in yeah. kept me going, shaped you, made you into the person the, you are today. The two, the two illnesses in yeah. hospital. Okay. hundred percent. Because that, and I've always said it, like really gets my back up. When someone's on Facebook or walking down the road going, oh, oh, I can't go out to work, I've got a migraine or, you know, my leg hurts and all that. It's like, you don't appreciate what you've got. Whether that just be the air you're breathing, or your family, whatever. You will not appreciate that until you've been told that you could die, you're gonna die, what you've got is fatal, blah, 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 or had a near-death experience. You do not appreciate what you've got. People will go along every day and they just don't get it. They really don't get it. Unless you've had someone close to you that nearly died or died, it, you're not gonna appreciate it. So with that, what I had, that near-death experience twice, I'm so grateful and lucky to be doing what I'm doing every fucking day. Like, how cool, I can come into work, mm. design a t-shirt and sell it and see someone wearing it. I'm so lucky. That's so sick, but, but some people, they don't see what I've got, you know? Mm. So like, I'm, I'm grateful for every day that I've got. I do a lot of uh, statuses and people probably think that's really cheesy, but I'll be like, you know, be grateful for waking up, be grateful for being healthy. People definitely don't think it's cheesy. I mean, look, that some people will, some people won't. And one of the biggest lessons that I think we could probably share about that is that, you know, some people, um, you know, they, they try to do it, do things to please everyone. Yeah. You know, they, they start their business and they're like, oh, I'm going to do things to, with my marketing that pleases everyone. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be that guy. That's yeah, yeah. But really, you know, I don't think that that's necessary because in in a in a brand that has um, you know substance and, and strength to it, um, yeah, it's people you you're going to cause controversy. You're going to cause someone to not like it at some point. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. a fuck. It's statistics. Yeah, man, you, you think of how many people see your content in general. It's a statistic as well. So. Yeah. 
yeah, people won't like what you're doing. Or it doesn't go with other gym stuff. It's not. It's just different. You know mm. what I mean? So that, that's what's good about it, and we are the best out there. I'll say that. Yeah, bro. It's honestly, it's it's something so unique, man. And just uh, you know, like I said, if we could record this on camera, you, you guys would get a feel for just how fucking unique this place is, and it's just such a rad little environment, man. And um, I don't think that you're lucky. I think that you put in a lot of work. And I think that you are an expert. Like I said earlier on, before we hit record, I was talking about this idea of, of and anyone can come into the space and be an expert these days. It's bullshit because they can't. You can tell. Yeah. You know, it takes time to get. It takes time and, and experience, and you've got. Would you say work. you've you've invested more than ten thousand hours into your business? <laughs> Honestly, there's so many little things that they they pop in your head like, what was I doing at that point? I had to take seven bin bags of orders from the shipping container to the post office, got in the car, fetched me, it finally died, turned the key, it's pouring rain. And I'm like, what am I doing? You know, things like that. And then I had to get a taxi, the taxi turns up, I can't get all those in the boot. And I'm like, what am I gonna fucking do? Silly little things, continuously. Post office queue, oh, here he is again, holding up the whole queue. Um, Bag splitting, you, you know, you, your parcels are down the ice street everywhere because your bags split mm. and you feel like you're kicking them. <laughs> what I, I swear, it's, so if anyone does want to start a brand, it will not work unless you put in fucking. You have got to sacrifice so many hours, mm. but you've got to believe in you've got to believe in your brand so much that you're not thinking, "What well, if this?" They can't think that. You've got to be like, this will fucking work. And don't matter how many things come up, I'll keep going, keep going. If you don't think like that, it ain't gonna work. Mm. And if your logo is shit, it still won't work. Mm. And if your idea of the brand, if it hasn't got meaning behind it, mm. if it's just a fucking letter, or I don't know, what's the one everyone uses? Fucking gorilla. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> They're all over the place. Like literally, or a monkey, or whatever, yeah. whatever they do. Like, it's Land animal. animals. <laughs> yeah, any animal. Um, some some take off, some don't take off. But the ones that take off have got a meaning behind it. Yeah, um, 100%. But it's how your audience connect, right? That's that they yeah. wanna, they want to feel part of something. And when you're creating a movement, or you know, you're creating a dent, is probably a better way to say it. A dent in the world. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, you've got to have a meaning. Hundred percent. Um, you've got to be able to someone says to you, "What is your brand?" mean stand for if you can't answer that or give them an explanation mm. you're fucked mm. they're right for six months but then when people want to know what is yeah. it actually about yeah it's so I mean? important man i mean a lot of people don't even focus on that as well it's such an important point you're fucking raising because you know and again like the you know the audience listening to this now and a lot of them may be at that point right now you know, yeah. that's what's really cool about this whole this whole podcast really is that, you know, you guys are getting an insight into the story of someone who is where you may want to be. So, you know, we always talk about mentorship in this way that, you know, it will kind of shortcut the journey for you. And part of that mentorship is, is kind of seeing people um, with with visions and that are doing the work and that are putting the fucking the effort in. 
yeah. you know, and, and following that and modeling that type of success is really important. And that is the, the whole key behind the storytelling in this is, you know, you guys are really are getting an insight into what it fucking can take if you are at any one of those points. So if you've had bad days where you are maybe not necessarily in a container, you know, in your boxer shorts on the floor, but <laughs> if you've had a hard day, you know, think, can it, is it that bad? Yeah. Is it really that bad? Yeah. Like I have bad days in here and I actually think to myself, it's not that bad, is it? You mm. spilt a bit of paint on a t-shirt. Oh, that fucking hell's a t-shirt. Get another one. Yeah. Whereas five years ago, yeah, that was bad. Mm. So be grateful. That's why mm. I'm grateful for I think that's the message yeah. of this whole podcast, man. Mm. That's what I've taken from it. I think what, and I want one, I want to ask you one more question before we wrap it up, but I've definitely um, sat in on this and, and, and listened intently because, um, you know, I, I, it's it's something that it, it, you know it's, it's powerful, dude. Yeah, the story is fucking powerful. Does take you back when you start talking about it again and stuff like you mm. know. I don't reflect enough, mm. and I should, and it's everyone should. You very, should. you know, gratitude is what I was saying. It, yeah. it, it's made me feel. It's just trying to find the right word for it, as you were saying. It's gratitude, man. I've taken the ability to really look at what I've got and and be grateful for it. Literally, is the is the time for this podcast yeah. episode. It's gratitude. Yeah, definitely. So I want to kind of, again, shift the fucking gear. I've got a question to ask you. God, it's about your future, mate. It's about where you want Bulletproof to go. What does it look like? Do you know what? I've never been out to I know in my head what I want it to look like. But in words, it's, I can't really put it out. Imagine, I can't compare it to another brand. But if I was to... I don't know if you're um, up on the whole skateboarding scene. There's basically a brand out there called Diamond Supplier. Mm -hmm. And he started off exactly the same, but he's been going 27 years. Multi, multi-millionaire. Started off selling t-shirts, et cetera, et cetera. And where I want mine to be is where what he's done. His was a, still is a skateboarding brand, but now it's gone completely lifestyle. So it's gone from skateboards wear it, to all the celebrities, mm. the everyday person, the person playing football, the person going out clubbing, whatever. So I want it to be at the point where it's more lifestyle. Its core is gym, but you can, I want a, a bigger audience of everyone. Mm. And more than anything, I is want- that, Why are you, sorry to interrupt, is that why you changed the name? Curious, Bulletproof Gym, where to Bulletproof to London. London. Yeah. yeah, basically, that was that like, little shift. Yeah, yeah I, I noticed that. that. Because yeah. that just makes me gym wear, gym wear. But you drop that and put London, it's mm. like, oh, okay. Mm. Still got pictures of people in the gym, etc. But I do get a lot of customers there buying it saying, I don't want to wear this in the gym. Mm -hmm. It's too nice. I'm going to wear it out. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's working. Yeah. So, bigger goal is obviously. I want more recognition, more than anything. Like money's great and everything. You know, more sales, more money, but I'd rather the recognition, the brand, I want the brand to be known more than anything. That's what I really want, mm. to be out there, more worldwide. Um, and obviously I'd like another unit one day bigger than this, with my own skate park and stuff. Yeah, you did <laughs> say earlier, right? Yeah, but um, yeah, so future, you know, sort of more of a lifestyle brand. Um, I said money's money, you know, that comes and goes. So mm. um, 
But yeah, that's about it, really. Bro, I fucking love it. So, man, I know this. Uh, for me, this uh, this episode has been uh, it's been uh, really insightful, mate. It really has. No, it's all good. Um, appreciate you fucking letting me jam, dude. No, anytime, bro. Honestly, sorry, it's so cold in here. Oh, well, <laughs> it did get that little yeah. bit chilly, but <laughs> man, it's, yeah. it's, it's, no, it's been good. It's I appreciate you to look at, brother. Look, I want to, um, I want to obviously give Bulletproof London a plug. So, where can people find you on socials and all of the good stuff? So, um, Instagram is Bulletproof London. Um, the website is get this. Bulletproof gymwear. <laughs> <laughs> we're having our website changed, actually, as we speak. Yeah. Uh, it's bulletproofgymwear.co.uk. Um, Facebook is Bulletproof London. Um, yeah. And do you ship worldwide? Yeah. 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 So. Do a lot yeah. to Australia still. Do a lot to America. It's fire. Um, but if you're in Alaska, mm. some weird countries, I think. Mm. It's going to pop up on that Alaskan bush people program at some point. <laughs> you can, one of these motherfuckers wearing a fucking bulletproof <laughs> beanie or something. Got a hoodie, not a vest. Yeah. It was a hoodie. <laughs> fucking hell. What's the warmest one you have? <laughs> <laughs> it's on the foot. Yeah, so, yeah, worldwide shipping. Um, as you say to people, it is a seven to ten day working day turnaround because every fucking thing is hand printed. Mm. Hats, accessories, obviously, they go out a few days. But anything printed is, uh, yeah, it takes longer. Mm. Um, yeah, so. Well, there you go. Go holler at my motherfucking boy, Joe Wise, over at Bulletproof London. I, I best get a little plug in now. Yes. For the, commu- for the for the Fit Story community. If you guys ain't in it yet, then uh, I'll link it in the show notes. But that's basically where I'll be showing my head up, uh, showing up a little bit more often in there. Um, I'll be bringing some guests again onto some more podcasts over the next few months uh, as I push into season three as well, which is going to be sick. Season three. Season three. Sounds like a pair of trainers. It really does. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to remind you guys, if you enjoyed this podcast, if this uh, gave you perspective, if you were able to kind of, um, you know, learn something from Joe's story, uh, if, if, uh, if this is really you know, made you grateful. I want to hear because that's definitely, like I said, this, that's kind of the, the, the tone of this whole podcast for me was just gratitude and, 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 you know, living in that, in the moment on the day. And that sounds, sounds a fucking cliche, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, just yeah. being grateful. So, um, yo, you can go into the fit story community. If you've got a Facebook, just type in fit story community. Uh, if it's, uh, I was going to give them a, a, another domain, but I ain't got one. <laughs> There's no other domain. Just holler at your boy up in there. And um, so if you can leave a rating, a review for this podcast, please do give it a share. It's the only way it's going to grow is through word of mouth. And like I said, Joe, this has been legendary, brother. Thanks for coming. Appreciate down, you, man. Appreciate it. We out. Peace. Peace.